Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31. That's where we are today, Deuteronomy, chapter 31. We're going to talk today about God's promise for the new year. And the key concept today is essentially that promise. It is this, God's got you. That's His promise for the new year. He's got you. He's with you. Let's rejoice in that as we come to Deuteronomy, chapter 31. While you find that, let me... Just share this uh, observation with you. Obviously, in the past few years, we have experienced in our nation this terrible scourge of mass shootings. And we hear about it on our news. We, we think about it. It's something that's now in our collective consciousness. But each time one of those terrible events happens, it seems like there's some story of great courage that emerges from the midst a similar story came from 2015 in San Bernardino. It was just one of those same kind of tragic shootings, and Denise Peraza was a survivor. And she survived that shooting because she was shielded by a man named Shannon Johnson. And here's how she tells the story of that day. She says, it was Wednesday morning about 10.55, and we were all seated around this large table in a meeting, joking about the fact that Someone said the wall clock must be broken because time was moving so slowly during this boring meeting. Never would I have guessed that five minutes later we'd be huddled under the table using a fallen chair as a shield when over 60 bullets were fired across the room. She goes on to say, I remember his left arm holding me as close as possible to that behind that chair, and him whispering in my ears over and over again, I've got you, I've got you, I've got you. And as we enter 2016 and the new year stretches ahead, that's exactly what God is whispering in our ear to each of us, don't worry, I've got you. That's what Moses says in Deuteronomy 31. Read with me verses 7 and 8. It says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with these people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged." Now, the scene where those words are being spoken is the blazing hot desert of Moab near the eastern banks of the Jordan River. 
The children of Israel have been camped there for some time as they're preparing to cross the Jordan and go into the promised land. For the last 40 years, they've been a nomadic people, but finally the long march is over. They're nearing an end to their journey. Preparations are being made to go into the land of promise. And Moses spends quite a bit of time as they're poised, ready to go into the land, preaching sermons and giving speeches to the people. He wants to make sure they understand all that they've experienced as a people as God has directed them, and he wants them to know what God expects of them in the promised land. Now, those speeches make up the book of Deuteronomy. That's what the book of Deuteronomy is. And, a, and one of those meetings in this time of speech-making Joshua is inaugurated as the next leader of the nation. That's what's going on here in Deuteronomy 31. And in so doing, as Moses points towards Joshua as the next leader, what he's recalling is his own personal failure that has precluded him from going into the land. He refers to it back in verse 2. He says, I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. See, even as they are on the verge of the end of their journey and a celebration of what's going to happen, there is a sense of failure that Moses is feeling, no doubt. He's publicly elevating Joshua, but he has a haunting reminder that he himself has failed. That failure is recorded back in Numbers chapter 20. In Numbers chapter 20, the setting is such that the people are in desperate need of water. They are out in the desert, in the wilderness, and because of their thirst, they're grumbling against Moses, and they're grumbling against God, and God chooses to miraculously provide water to save them. Now, the truth is, this exact scenario has happened before. Decades earlier, many, many years earlier, when the wilderness wanderings were just beginning, recorded in Exodus chapter 17, the same scenario takes place. They run out of water and they're desperate for water. And in Exodus 17, we read these words, God says to Moses, strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. He struck the rock, the water flowed, the people are saved. Moses obeyed. Now decades later, in Numbers chapter 20, they face the exact same issue, the exact same problem. And God is ready to intervene once again, and He will use Moses as His instrument. But the instructions are different. He says to Moses, take your staff, but this time, and speak to the specified rock, and I will cause the water to flow from it. The instructions are different. But something in that scene, something is off inside Moses. Maybe it's his anger at the situation, or his frustration with the people, or I sense a creeping sense of pride. Because when he and Aaron stand before the people, are ready to be the instruments of God's power, in Numbers 20, verse 10, it says, Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we 
bring the water out of this rock? There's an attitude issue there. There's an attitude problem there. Moses, who is it that's going to bring the water? He gets the who wrong. Then he gets the how wrong. And instead of speaking to the rock, as God has instructed, he reverts back to the instructions of the last time. He reverts back to what he knows. He hits the rock. And in so doing, what he's saying subtly to himself is, I can handle this. I know how to do this. I've done this before. He puts himself in the spotlight. But Moses was not supposed to be in the spotlight. The spotlight was supposed to be on God and His power and His glory. In Numbers chapter 20, verse 12, God speaks saying, Because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. Pride disqualifies Moses. After all that he has done, pride disqualifies him. It seems harsh, but that sets the stage for where we are in Deuteronomy 31. And Moses remembers, the Lord has told me that I'm not going to cross the Jordan with you, but guess what? God will. He will. And He will give you a new leader. Joshua is going to take the job. Some people spend their whole lives in the background, never really stepping forward. They are the dependable helpers, the aides. One author writes, the world moves on the backs of the people in the background, and that is absolutely true. Joshua was faithful in the background to help Moses throughout his life, but in these moments, he is thrust forward. He's not clamoring for that. It's not his ambition. It's not his assumption that this would be the role. But nonetheless, it's time to step up. And the implication is from Moses' words that it's going to be a tough job. And Joshua is going to need faith and courage. But he's already demonstrated what I call adventurous faith. Because they've been here before. They've been on the edge of the promised land. They've camped on the borders of the promised land. And in that situation in Numbers 14, they sent in spies to scout out the land. And the spies came back. One of them was Joshua. And they came back with a report. The land is great. It flows with milk and honey. It's expression for it's a beautiful, fertile place. It's going to be a wonderful place to live. But there were giants there. And we can't beat giants. And Joshua is one of the few who stand and say, why not? God is on our side. Why can't we beat giants? He has adventurous faith. See, faith is not really faith until it breaks your categories. Faith is not really faith until you see it asking you to do something that you know in your own strength you can't do. Engaging the resources of God. Attempting what seems to be impossible by ourselves alone. That's where faith shows up. If we know we can do it, it doesn't take faith. Joshua has adventurous faith. I know of a church where the treasurer in that church, who was a man of great influence, he would never allow the church to set a budget for more money than the church had actually taken in in the year prior. That was his standard. 
Over the years, he always kind of said, well, this is what we took in. That's all we can plan on spending next year. He called it good stewardship. I called it lack of faith. And that attitude, that, that idea was like an infection that spread to everything that church tried to do. A defeated mindset. I spent many lunches with the pastor of that church. I prayed with him. I felt his frustration. No one would try anything new. No one would step out and just give it a try. They would not move by faith. They always had to know that we, they would be successful. And that church today is closed. And I don't know what's going on in that building, but it's not a gospel ministry. If we know we can do it, where's the faith? It's true of church budgets. It's true of family tithing. It's true of raising children. It's true of witnessing for Jesus. It's true across the board. We are called to be a people of faith. But faithless people stay where it's familiar. They stay where they know the territory. They stay in the wilderness. Even if it's lousy, at least I recognize it. Faithless people say, what well, I'm just going to make do rather than grab for God's best. Here's a news clipping from a Singles Connection section of a small-town newspaper. A lady put in an article. Here's what she wrote. Lonely widow misses husband. Seeks tight-fisted, ornery old coot for companionship. <laughs> That's familiar territory. But somebody should tell her she can do better than that, right? We know that already. Faith-filled people try something different. Extend themselves. Break the categories. John Orkbert has written a book called If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. It's a great title. But in the book, he talks about a medical study. 122 men were evaluated. All of these men had had a heart attack. And they, their health forward was being traced. But they were evaluated not on their medical needs, but on their psychological makeup of optimism versus pessimism. And here's what they found, that a pessimistic, hopeless attitude increased their odds of dying in the next eight years by 300%. It was the greatest predictor of death within eight years, better, more, more accurate than any risk factor, even high cholesterol. So here's Ortberg's conclusion. Better to eat Twinkies in hope than broccoli in despair. I'll pause. Some of you are writing that. <laughs> Twinkies in hope versus broccoli in despair. Joshua is a man of faith, and he's the right man for the job because faith breeds hope. Hope breeds courage. And he's asked here, take courage. We are asked in the verge of this new year that stretches ahead, take courage. You can have courage. Number one, have courage because the Lord is going ahead of you. Verse 3 the Lord God Himself will cross over ahead of you. You know, firefighters have a motto, first in, last out. It, it's meant to exemplify the fact that they arrive at a scene of a tragedy and they run towards the tragedy. And they stay there till things are done. They get the job done. The Lord is the same way. He says, I'm going to go ahead of you into the unknown into the promised land, into the new year. I'm going to go ahead of you. I'm going to precede you. He will face the opposition first. 
Put that in our minds as we face this new year. We're going to cover a lot of ground in this new year, but God has already covered all that ground. And He sprinkled that ground that we will tread with grace and strength and everything we need to make it through. There will be battles ahead in this new year, but God has already faced those battles and fought those enemies. God is always ahead of us. He's always previous. He's already there so we can have courage. Secondly, he says, have courage. Because not only do I go ahead of you, I also go with you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Every step of the way, every day when the sun comes up, every night when you lay your head on your pillow, in this year that is ahead, God will be by your side. He will be your unseen guest at every single meal. He will be with you at every activity. He's the company you keep everywhere that you go. He's always watching. And he's always there. You can have courage. He's at your side. I'm told that ancient map makers used to put in the margins of their map, when they, when they ran out of information, they didn't know what came next, in the margins they would write, there be dragons. It was a, a statement that said, you know, knowledge has ended and so speculation has started and we think that there's danger. We think that there's dragons. And maybe you think like that in 2019. Maybe you're thinking this new year right now, I should write over it, there be dragons. It's uncharted and it's probably scary. But here's what you need to know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter difficulties are ahead. It doesn't matter if scary stuff is ahead. Why? Because I have one who is with me and so do you who is able to conquer the enemies and to give us victory. I'll be right beside you, he says. I'm with you all along the way. Have courage. And thirdly, have courage because he promises that that protection will last. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Verse 8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. See, with the Lord, he is the first in and never out. He's always there. This awareness is present throughout the sweep of Scripture. Job 37, verse, uh, 36, verse 7, He does not take His eyes off the righteous. Lamentations chapter 3, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. Psalm 73, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We get scared and we get nervous, but God is able Based on all of this, Moses finally speaks the word of commission to Joshua at the, at the verge of the promised land. He hands over the reins, and I'm intrigued by the words he says to Joshua when he elevates him. Verse 7, then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them. Do you notice what word he didn't use? 
He didn't use the word lead. Some of your translations have the word lead there. It's not there. The word is go with. You must go with them. Because who is the real leader? The Lord Himself who goes before you. Yes, Joshua, you have a key role. It's going to be important. I've positioned you here. But really, God is the leader. And there we must take courage. Take courage this morning in the fact that the Lord has for you in the year ahead the victories that He has in mind. It doesn't depend on your strength. He's the leader. It doesn't depend on your ability. It's not about your ingenuity. It's not about your knowledge of Bible trivia. None of that. It is about you depending on the Lord. I pray regularly, God, thank you that Quail Lakes Baptist Church is your church. And we will face a year of ministry ahead. God knows what He has in store for us. And here's what I rejoice in. He is there already. He's with us and He will never forsake us. And that gives me courage. Courage means you recognize that when God says He's with us, it means something. It means He's able to handle the situation. Courage has the assurance that there is a beacon that shines through the dark. God is already ahead of us in the year ahead, and He shines this beacon of light back, directing us along His way. And the light will come to us just as we need it, just as we're ready to take that next step. It doesn't illumine the entire, entire journey. It just comes as we need it. That's why faith is called for. And that's why courage is called for. But when we have it, God will direct our life. In this next year, give God your fears. Give God your future. And recognize this. God, He's got you. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You. Because the future is unknown to us. It's a mystery and it's often scary. But we thank You that You see all time, all the time. You're already there. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage to be faithful to your calling. Give us the faith to take steps that are beyond our comfort zone but are just where we need to be. And help us be your people, we pray. For we ask you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to leave this place. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know, there's an issue for prayer in my life, a concern, maybe a fear that I want to pray about. And you can slip forward and be by the prayer counselors next to the organ and they will pray for you and with you to, get God, to allow God's blessing to rest on you. You slip up and see them in a moment. But first, before we do that, let's all stand. And as we stand, let's all sing. We're singing the song, the chorus of the song, He Leadeth Me. Is anybody familiar with that? Okay, for the three of you, we'll sing loud, and the rest of us will learn it. It goes this way. He leadeth me, He leadeth me, by His own hand He leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by His hand He leadeth me. Now you've learned it. Ready? Begin. He leadeth me, He leadeth me, by His own hand He leadeth me. 
His faithful follower I would be, for by His hand He leadeth me. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of that hymn. And Lord, we help, help us to be Your faithful followers. Don't allow us to run ahead of You or to lag behind. We want to be with You as You are with us in this year ahead. Dismiss us with your blessing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming.